You're listening to Intentionally Catholic, a podcast about living our Catholic faith with joy and intention. Welcome to Intentionally Catholic. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm here with Father Ron Hutchinson. Hello, everyone. Father Ron, as I was growing up, and honestly, this uh, it wasn't that long ago, we talked about America pretty much as a nation that was founded on traditional Judeo-Christian values. It was a Christian nation. And mm-hmm. you know, honestly, in the last little bit, it feels like if you if you say that, you're almost borderline getting canceled at this point. You know, things have changed dramatically from what I remember growing up to where we're at now. Now, I know it's been said, you've said it, but I've also read it all over the place on different Catholic media sites, basically talking about how we're living in a new apostolic age. Yeah, it's very different than it, what, it, what it used to be. You're totally correct. I mean, in reality, uh, our nation was founded with Judeo-Christian values, um, probably more Christian than Judeo in a sense, but mm-hmm. it's so it's that's the term we use. And, you know, all of our laws, all of our mores, all the way we operated were all based upon traditional Christian values, the Ten Commandments, we'll say, okay? So the way people lived, operated, and how they kind of moved about their day, so to speak, was always guided by faith, whether, um, and I don't even think it was a question of like, did we not realize it? No, people realized it, but that was the accepted norm. That was how it was. Well, Mm -hmm. in, I would say to you in the last, hmm, five to 10 years, definitely, um, there's been a huge shift, a massive shift in that. Uh, we can't, anymore say that the decisions that are made for government, uh, the laws, uh, how we operate in society, expectations of what's okay to say, okay to do, all the kinds of things, it's no longer guided by faith anymore. In fact, quite honestly, I would say to you that a person of faith is greatly challenged now to live their faith openly like they used to. Greatly challenged. Challenged, you mean it's challenging to do that rather than being challenged to? Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, I don't, I don't the vast majority of people I talk to, um, parishioners, um, don't feel comfortable in a work setting even mentioning that they go to church, that they, um, you know, that faith is a huge guide to their lives. They wouldn't talk about their faith. Okay, so Grand Rapids Parish, Grand Rapids, Michigan, conservative Grand Rapids, Michigan is what you're Mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. You're saying the greatest number, the greater number of parishioners you speak to don't feel comfortable in their own workplaces here. Yeah, definitely. I've talked to a lot of uh, people who work in, you know, industry, um, medical settings, et cetera, that do not feel comfortable at all talking about their faith, their that faith is a big part of their lives um, because they're just so concerned, number one, about how their fellow workers will respond, but number two, um, they're afraid that it might affect their job. That that, that really? Yeah, they're, they're concerned about that at some level. Now, that majority, almost majority, I don't know, but to be quite honest with you, it's a significant enough number at this point that we can't say that even in conservative Grand Rapids, that's not an issue. And you're seeing this grow in the last how many years, you said? Five, Oh, seven? definitely last five to ten years, definitely. Um, and I definitely think it's more amongst 
Um, and this may be, I don't, it may be amongst the generation, but I would say to anybody that is 20 to say 35, 40 is going to feel that extremely serious uh, at an extreme level. All right. Um, compared to maybe somebody who's 50, 60, you know, because of who they would associate with or who they're around or, you know, it's just because things, that generation, things have changed so quickly and so dramatically. I mean, on college campuses today, you know, students do not feel comfortable owning up to their Catholic faith. I mean, if they are people who are involved in Catholic campus ministry of some type of Newman Society, Newman's Association, whatever it may be, um, they're going to have to be people with good backbones, you know, strong backbones. Because, yeah, it's just not part of the norm today. We have a very, we use the words woke, but I mean, it's, I mean, I hate that word being used for a, a, a group of people that aren't woke, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but so because, what do you mean by that? Let's clarify that. Well, so you hate the term. Yeah. I, well, the problem is the term woke gives the idea that they have the truth. OK, yep. it's like Gnosticism. Uh, they possess truth that the rest of us just need to find. And then we will have everything we need for survival, so to speak. Um, the problem is I consider real wokeness, if you want to go with that word, as Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he's really going to wake you up to truth and life and uh, the way to operate, the way to live. So to be honest with you, yeah, who should be using the term us? But it got stolen so now it's just a negative term in many respects yeah lot, lots of terms and lots of symbols have been co-opted oh and yeah taken away and yeah we kind of let them go or maybe we didn't have any any say in the matter at all but you know you talk about jesus you know you, those of us who follow him and he's the one who's like you said truly woke and can wake us up to all the things that we're doing and all of that, saying that out loud oh. is definitely going to, basically at this point in the game, I think the conversations are over at that point and it becomes a shouting match. Yeah, I certainly isn't a very, it is certainly is not a very positive thing for many people um, in the sense that if they do that, then they're going to have to be prepared for whatever may come their way, so to speak. Um, well, and defending something is so complicated as opposed to tearing something down. You can tear something down, or at least look like you're tearing something down in seconds. Oh, yeah. But to try to de defend and patch things up. And so what I find happening, I mean, in my own life, you know, you see things on social media, let's say. And yes, I probably could get involved and say, well, I think this is a, you know, a faulty representation or whatever. But I know it's going to happen. Oh, it's just not going to be pretty. It's not going to be a conversation, <laughs> and it's going to take so long to try to make your case and you're never going to be able to do it. So I shut up. I just fall back. And I don't know that you can make a case to a group of people who don't believe that there needs to be a case made right. to them in the sense that they believe with all of their being that anything from the past is just wrong. It is antiquated. It serves no purpose in our modern uh, woke world, <laughs> you know, because it is just medieval um, it comes from when people didn't have brains kind of an idea, you know, where they were directed by other sources, how to think, how to move, how to be. And so I don't need that because I, it's all about the I today, you know, in me, I don't need you or any group to define me. 
I define me and I have all the truth I need for my living. Okay. So that's the problem right now is when we negate every source of anything that can guide our lives other than ourselves, we become narcissists. We become self-absorbed and that makes it even hard for people who are individually self-absorbed to have a conversation about anything before they can be uh, not able to talk. I mean, it's partly why right now, even the groups that in the past, you know, we looked at, I don't know if we saw them as adversaries, but just definitely on a different side of the fence than us, um, they could all kind of stay together. Um, But now you can't, you name any group that in the past would have been able to band together for a single solitary goal, meaning I'm thinking like LGBT, um, pro, pro-abortion, you know, you name it, anything along that line. So it's on the other side of the fence from the church. Even within their own groups today, they can't stay united because they start becoming so ethereal because it's all about the mm-hmm. I, me, I define what this is, you know? So it becomes very challenging to deal with. Um, it becomes very challenging in any way to counter and in, in an argument, so to speak, or in a discussion. So it's very hard today in a sense to be an apologist ag- against that kind of stuff. So we have to be more an apologist for ourselves and not about okay so what do you mean by that dig into that a little bit what i'm saying is we just need to be talking about the truth we possess and keep presenting it not trying to put what they have to say down okay so i think when we're talking about faith today i tend to want to talk more in the realm of this is what faith is for me and this is what it can be for all people but i'm not going to say like you know and let me name a specific group as to why you know you're Mm -hmm. wrong Mm -hmm. you know it's easier to stay in the realm of this is what we possess and how do you avoid you know i get what you're saying how do you walk that line and avoid the whole well this is my truth And that's your truth thing. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because I always say right away, it's not my truth. It's the truth of Christ. And he was real and he came uh, to offer us salvation and he came to offer us the way, the truth and the life. You know, I'm not making something up that comes out of my heart. This has been passed down for 2000 years. And, you know, I always say to people and you may not like this argument, but Gamaliel who was a Jewish authority at the time of Jesus said, you know, when the, after they crucified Jesus and then they're trying to go after, you know, Peter and all the other apostles, he said, you know what? We just need to leave this alone because if it's of God, there's nothing we can do about it. And if it isn't of God, it's just going to die anyways. So really, I think that, you know, we can, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. It's not, it hasn't survived because the individuals who live it are perfect or that they, you know, that they are Jesus or that they are God. Um, The church continues to exist despite human uh, failings and faults, et cetera. And it still is a, a truth that can be, talked about passed on 
uh, to future generations, even if there will be significant numbers that don't like it, it's still going to be passed on. Right. So let's say, like, you know, we talked about in the, in the beginning, you talked about people in our area who feel really uncomfortable saying anything, you know, in the workplace for whatever reason. But I can imagine that that plays out in any public setting anywhere where somebody, you know, social media, even even the anonymity of that somebody brings up something online. You want to say something, you know, I could take the angle that you're taking and, you know, and, and I get that that could be a conversation. And a lot of times it's not. It's not a conversation because, like you said, even within their own groups, they're splintering. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, I guess I'm going to say to you, I do not believe that for the most part. I mean, here we are doing a podcast, which is social media in its own, you know, sense. (laughs) Um, But we're not having a conversation with other people. We're just presenting our views. Listen to it. Don't listen to it. That's your choice. Okay. Um, But as far as like using other forms of social media, like Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, to try to have conversation or to try to um, educate I think it's not going to be possible, to be quite honest with you. I completely agree. I think you can present a position that if people want to listen to it, maybe they'll learn something from it. But to try to have conversation back and forth in, you know, in in the comments section is just not going to happen. Okay. The the only way to evangelize is one on one. Plain and simple, one on one. I have to be able to talk to you. You have to be able to talk to me. We have to be able to have a civilized conversation, okay? This isn't about me tearing you down and you tearing me down. This is just us sharing from our hearts and listening, which means that true evangelization is very hard because that means we have to often listen to things we don't agree with. And you have to not become emotional. Right. You have to just sit and and say, this he or she is not attacking me they're just giving what they believe and that's very hard you know the whole evangelization thing is so complicated right now and it's easy to say that i just said it we started this whole thing talking about you know we're living in apostolic times i've heard it referred to as i said at the beginning a new apostolic era evangelization wasn't easy back then in the original, you know, the first apostolic era, right? It was no really, really complicated. Like you talked about Gamaliel, you know, it's the same thing. You know, it, it, they wanted to persecute the church in a big way. And yet they managed to find a way to persevere. And I think part of that perseverance, you know, and the apostles, the early apostles being able to evangelize, it was relying entirely on the Holy Spirit to give them the strength to get moving. Well, they they certainly weren't relying upon themselves. Right. And, you know, the other part of it is, is that you have to be a person of faith that believes completely in the message you are sharing. You have to have been changed by that message enough that you say, I can't be quiet about this message. And, you know, and that is hard. I mean, to be quite honest with you, today, even evangelization or evangelizing, to me, is often just, um, like, for me, it's wearing a collar. Just going out in a Roman collar is evangelizing. Trust me. You know, I there's I get seen clearly, uh, at least, I mean, I get seen. I don't think I get seen, meaning me, but I my uniform speaks loudly 
for people. And um, I can tell by sometimes the way that people look at me or, you know, the rolling of the eyes that happens or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've just learned to go, you know what? This is just my way of, of evangelizing, evangelizing one way. Now, it's interesting because I've had opportunities in airports when I've worn a Roman collar. Um, and uh, when I was traveling for business, I would wear my Roman collar. I tend to admit when I travel for personal, when I'm on vacation, I just say, you know what? I'm not on duty right now. But when I was traveling for business for the diocese and in the airport going to visit the seminarians or whatever – it was not unusual to have somebody start a conversation about something, ask me a question, you know, uh, and I didn't mind having those conversations. And I'm not going to say they were always pleasant. I mean, right. sometimes what people had to say to me, um, it was hurtful or it was, you know, sad. But on the other hand, I learned to just say they don't know me. They're not talking about me. They're talking about their viewpoint of something. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I would try to keep it very objective. You know, this isn't about me. Now, if they attacked me, sure, then it was harder. You know, right. Well, but, I think it's hard anyway. You know, it's something like you said in the beginning, if we truly, truly, truly believe this, you know, it's not something I can com compartmentalize within me. My faith. No. Isn't. And so when it does get attacked, there is that knee jerk reaction I have to feel mm -hmm. attacked. So you've got to calm yourself down because there, there's nothing going to happen positive if I'm upset as yeah. well. You know, it's just, but it's very tough to do that. I think the hardest thing today is that in order to evangelize, to be people who evangelize, we have to be willing to put ourselves out there. I mean, we're going to have to put ourselves out there, which means that we're going to have to be willing to talk about our truth talk about why it's so important to us and what the value of it, why it makes a difference in our lives and, and be willing to take the arrows that come our, our direction, so to speak. Um, but being quiet about our faith is not going to help others to find the truth. It's not going to help others find Jesus Christ. They, they will continue to wallow in their, in, in their wokeness or their truth, you know, mm -hmm. their individual truth. Um, and so, yeah, I, the apostolic times mean that you and I have to face, we are not in a place anymore where everything revolves around how we believe it should li be lived. Um, that laws, um, mores, values, anything reflects what we believe, okay? Which also means that there's going to be times that us living, just living, is going to be going against the, the, the flow. And we have to be okay with that. And we got to decide that it's okay not to go with the flow, you know? And it's funny because where I see that happening right now, you know, politically, I don't think people have any problem right now being on one side or the other and not going with whatever the flow is at the moment. But, but they, but with regard to faith, boy, they're just so afraid. No, I completely agree with that. Why do you think that is? I, you know, I, I, I think cause we've always seen faith as a private matter, a private matter. And interestingly enough, I don't know where that came from because it's not 
true. It's never been a private matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we've turned it into that. This is mine. And I, I, you don't need to know anything about it. Right. My, it's my faith. This is how I live. And, but what's sad about that is that's why I think there's generations of kids um, who now are adults and their kids and are adults. Uh, ha faith hasn't been passed on because everybody's just being quiet about it. You can't pass on faith to your child if you're quiet about it. If they don't know why this is important to you and what value this holds for you and why this is important to live, trust me, they'll find something else that's important to live for. Well, and then couple that with everything they hear at school or wherever they're at. Mm -hmm. Every, everything we hear is that if I say this is truth, even you know, I'm not big on the my truth. I know exactly what you're saying and I can roll with that. But mm -hmm. If I say this is an objective truth, right away we're stuck on the word objective because a mm -hmm. lot of the people you're talking to will deny the fact that there's even an objective such a thing truth as yeah. an objective yeah. truth. Mm -hmm. And it just shuts everything down. Well, that's the problem today. Truth is truth is my truth um, today for most people. We're no longer operating in the sense of there is objective truth. There is truth that cannot be denied. Now, truth is what I believe it is and how I want to look at the world. It's, it's narcissistic. It's, you know, it, which makes it impossible because explain to me how we're going to make laws and values or live together in this, in this society with everybody living their truth, individual truth. It, it becomes, it becomes, it becomes total chaos immediately immediately. And I can name that on many levels and I don't want to get into it right now, but you know, it's just, I, I'm amazed at what, you know, if somebody says, well, this is my truth and you, but you have to live my truth. It's like, wait a minute, why do I have to live your truth, but you don't have to live my truth? Right. It's not consistent and it's not logical. It's so crazy. It just, it becomes so illogical that it becomes impossible to have conversations. And that's where, I guess, as we kind of get towards the end of this, you know, we've established the issue, you know, or at least a part of the problem or some of the times that we're living in. But here we are, Catholics trying to live out our mm -hmm. faith. What does that look like when it comes to big issues? You know, there's huge issues out there. Birth control, abortion, sexual identity. You know, homosexuality, all of these are major, huge issues, and the church has a stance on these things. But if we even breathe mm -hmm. the church's stance of these things in the public forum, there's an immediate reaction, and we're not having a conversation at that point. And so, like I said at the yeah. beginning, the tendency is to just, I'm going to just quietly, what, kind of just sneak out of the space, or I'm going to start an argument. How well, do we do I think, it? I think we... I think um, there are several arenas that we have some, in a sense, control or power in, okay? Um, number one arena is ourselves, living that truth that we know and not, and not being um, hesitant about it with our family and et cetera. You know, we have to say this is, this is how we're going to live, okay? Um, that's number one. Number two, I think how we vote or who we vote for can be another place that we can, you know, impact that, okay? I think we have to be willing to stand up against 
things that we have, the places that we can speak out. And granted, that doesn't mean we're always going to get heard the way we want to be heard or get what we want, but at least we've had the opportunity like school boards and, you know, things like that. I think we can, there are places we can speak out. Um, but I think we also have to recognize that that probably the greatest tool we have is the one that often we feel like, well, nothing's going to happen if I do that. It's prayer. I think we just have to pray for our nation, pray for our world, pray for the uh, Holy Spirit to come upon us to empower us when we need to be empowered, you know, that kind of thing. And there will be times then that we can speak out or say something or we'll we'll have the strength to do what needs to be done. But um, if we're going to just rely upon our own strength for that, we're not going to have it, most of us. Where would the apostles have gotten if? They wouldn't have gotten anywhere without the Holy Spirit and praying for the Holy Spirit constantly to empower them and give them strength and, you know, pour out on them what needed and and that the words would be the Holy Spirit's and not theirs. I mean, that's the biggest issue. So you think about the apostles in the upper room, you know, and Jesus has just given them this huge mission. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit comes, settles upon them there, and all of a sudden they've got the power and the nerve and the opportunities to go out there. And I think relying yeah. on ourselves, like you just said, is going to leave us stuck. But turning it first to God. Well, the other pr- thing is, think about the fact that when that did happen for them, they, I mean, their the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens and they go running out of this room, a supper room. And people right. literally think they're crazy, drunk by the way. They crazy. think they're, yep. they've gone nuts. They're drunk, they're nuts, you know, and they're speaking in tongues and everybody can understand them. And, you know, so even then, think about it. They were, people thought they were crazy too. So people are going to think we're crazy at times. You know, there's no doubt about it. But you know what? The truth wins. The truth wins. And I think we just have to trust that the, the truth always wins out, but it doesn't happen in the time frame we think it's going to happen. In. Well, and what we're tasked with, because the apostles, too, they're out doing all of that, like we just talked about. But it's not like they had easy times. You know, it wasn't that no. whole era went for a long time before Christianity was ruled to be OK. And we didn't have to, mm-hmm. you know, kill everybody who was a Christian at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that's a guarantee that we're going to. You know, just have this easy path ahead of us once the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and starts leading us. Oh, but no, it does no, 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 no. That, that God's got, you know, the situation in hand. And all we're tasked with is to live in the time that we're in and to do what we can and what he's asking of us in this time. It's not up to us what the outcome is. That's not in our hands. That's in his hands. It's probably more about seed planting than harvesting. Right. So here we are, apostolic era. We're really interested in what everybody out there is thinking. Let us know your comments. For Intentionally Catholic, I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Father Ron Hutchinson. God bless. Thanks for listening to Intentionally Catholic. If you like what you heard, please consider sharing our show with a friend. If you have comments, questions, or topics you'd like to hear discussed, please email those to comments at icatholic.show. And be sure to tune in next time for another episode.